Hi, and welcome to another episode of Garmology, a podcast about clothes and stuff, interesting things. My guest today is from West Yorkshire by the name of Ryan Mallin. And uh, how would you introduce yourself, Ryan? How would I introduce myself? Thank you, first of all, Nick. Um, first of all, my name is Ryan Mallinson. The name Malin is a play on, uh, sorry, Malin and Son, the name of the business, is a play on my surname. So I must kind of uh, let you know that straight away. So that's that's the first one. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, what do I do? I run a business, Malin and Son, based in West Yorkshire, where we rewax, um, repair, and make alterations to predominantly wax jackets. Now, to my mind, you're a pretty young guy and starting a company to take care of people's wax jacket needs doesn't strike me as sort of thing a young man would really think of today. How did you come to do that? Purely by accident. Purely by accident. Um, My kind of background is in um, user-centered design and kind of identifying gaps uh, in in certain markets that are out there and, and basically exploiting those gaps. I bought an old uh, Barber Game Fair um, maybe two and a half years ago. It arrived, bought it from eBay. It had the usual used Barber Game Fair smell and it needed a rewax. So I went online, had a look, see where I could get that done. <clears throat> and I found two places that I could do that. One being Barber and the other being Bellstaff. Obviously, Bellstaff was out of the question with being a Barber jacket. Uh, I also saw you could buy the wax. Um, in two forms, so you obviously your your tin of foam proof dressing and the dry wax bar. The dry wax bar being a lot cheaper, I obviously went for that first. Um, got that in, made an absolute disaster of the jacket, and then I thought, oh, this probably isn't as as easy as I thought. Um, and from there, I kind of just got the the kind of bug to not be beaten by this. So I tried it once or twice with the same jacket, just testing new ways to do it. Um, reading online, going on YouTube, seeing the videos that are out there. I mean, Barber, I've got a fantastic video out there. And then from there, I just started doing a couple of friends. As a, it's, It was kind of a thing where friends who were wearing these jackets didn't realize that you could actually get them done. So I'd be, be talking to to friends uh, who got the football, for instance, and they're wearing their Bellstaff Trial Masters. They've paid £450 for it, but the wax has worn off. And now they're talking about buying a new one. I'm like, you, you can just rewax that. You, you do know this. And then from there, it's just snowballed to to where we are today, really. That's quite strange that people don't know that you can rewax them because there's such a huge thing made of just that, the fact that, I mean, basically, if you take a little care of your jacket and don't tear it or wear holes in it, by rewaxing it, you can keep it, I hesitate to say forever, but say 25 years with good use mm, yeah no I, I, I mean you say 25 years some of the things we've had in from we've had some mid 50s bell staffs to what did i have recently a, a late 70s john partridge jacket and these jackets have so many stories to tell but again for me um dare i say it's maybe not mainstreaming if, if you walk down the high street there's nobody nowhere telling you that you can rewax that thing you've already bought. I think we, we, we do live in a, a society where, I think this, this wave is changing, which we'll come on to, but it, nobody wants you to rewax the thing you've got. They want you to buy new, you know? And it's that's better for them as a business if they can sell you a £250 jacket rather than a £10 tin of wax. 
So I'm not saying it's a secret because it certainly isn't. But th- this the first the first thing people think when 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 they get in touch with me is like, oh, I looked to do it myself, but it just seemed eh, messy, too time consuming, and I just don't have a clue where to start. I think they have a fair point in that uh, unless you have done it before and know the process and have the sort of equipment and techniques in, it can be a bit messy. You just but clearly. How many old <laughs> barber game fairs did you buy off eBay before you had it down? Um, well, I actually did it on the same one. And, and funnily enough, um, I spoke to, who did I speak to? We were talking about my early work. And you think back now, like most people who start out, you think back to your early work or your first jobs and you go, oh my word, I feel like I need to go back in time and apologize to that person because the, the kind of tricks and techniques that I've, I've now developed so far from from where I were so dare I say and I hope none of them are listening I guess I tested on my own game fair maybe three or four times to get it right and then the first three four that I did of my friends I was still kind of finding my way a little bit but the end result was something better than they had but um from there like you say it's just a case of once you get the knack and you know how you you just test different methods and and, it, and it's it's kind of natural now so what what would be the sort of main trick to getting it right for someone who would sure. want to try it well, at home? I think it's it's an interesting one because the, the different brands we get in, do the actual fabric behaves differently from brand to brand and then obviously from jacket to jacket. You've got your staples from each. Uh, the, the two the two kind of brands that I deal with are, in the main are, are Barber and, and Bell stuff. So John Partridge and what else have I done recently? I've had a few Burberry and quite quite a few little bits, but mainly Barbara and Bell stuff. And, and, and the two, um, let's call them flagships of them, or the flagship styles, you've got your trial masters for, for Bell stuff and you've got, say, your Beauforts or your B-Dales with your Barber. They all behave, behave in different ways. And then as, dare I say, as Barber, Barber got more clever and even Bell stuff got, assumed to be more clever over the years and started in inventing different material or uh, different styles again each of them jackets behave differently and i think it's just through that experience of doing wow how many have i done literally hundreds you kind of have that thing land and you know how that's going to behave and that then um <clears throat> kind of dictates how how thick the wax needs to be to how much you need to apply where you need to apply how you need to apply panel by panel um what kind of a finish how many coats you need to do and by coats i mean coats of wax i think it's it is down to kind of yeah kind of experience really but if we were to if we were to talk about the the kind of mainstays of your beauforts your b-dales the key to getting it right is um the right consistency of wax so making sure that's that's uh, as clear as it can be, almost a liquid, and then using as little as possible. People assume you need to use a whole tin. You do not need to use a whole tin. Hmm. I'm not sure how much I've used when I did it, but I'm pretty sure I used almost a whole tin, but that yeah. was a board, and so it was a big jacket. Yeah. Um, a couple of things I wanted to follow up on there. So you're saying that the, the sort of waxed cotton itself has evolved over time, say from a 1970s jacket to a 2000 jacket and probably even onwards. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm no, um, oddly enough on a, on a podcast called Garmology, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm no expert on the actual fabric itself. All I've kind of done is 
caught a niche with the actual business model and the idea. And then through that, I've come to learn more about the jackets and the fabric that I'm dealing with. But I mentioned the 1950s bell stuff that came through. I would be more than happy to take a bullet in that jacket. I wouldn't, but <laughs> yeah, I would be more than happy to take a, a bullet in that jacket in comparison to a new trial master. Um, uh, we are repairing them on a weekly basis for, for the slightest of tears. So whether it's a change in, well, the production's definitely changed, but whether that's to cut costs or to be more, I'm really not sure. But what I would say is the older stuff does definitely seem to be better, mainly with the bell staff. Um, the barber, like I say, you, you, like you mentioned your borders, your stockmans, these, these kind of, these are still great jackets. But for me, the, the feel, um, the way the fabric moves and holds the wax of the older ones seem to be far far better than the new ones. I think when it comes to belt stuff, that the older ones were genuinely motorcycle jackets. You could wear them to ride a bike. That's right. Now, I appreciate that bike riding in the 50s, 60s, 70s is quite different from today, but you couldn't really sensibly ride a motorcycle in a new Bellstaff Trial Master today. Definitely not. I mean, I've got, I'm personally, I don't have too many, um, but my 2014 Circuit Master is more akin to the earlier stuff in comparison to the Trial Masters. And I wish I could show you right now as I'm sat here looking at them. It's, um, oh, dare I say, not impressive. If, if, if you were to come to me and say, should I buy a new one or an old one? I'd say, find that old one every single time. Definitely. Yeah, I had a, an early 2000 trial master and now I have a, I think it's 1980 something or other. And the different, I mean, the feel in them is is amazingly different. The new one is a nicely made jacket and looks good, but it is basically a fashion item, yes. whereas the old one was actually something that is, I don't know if I'd like to fall off a motorcycle in it yeah. really, but I could probably ride one. Yeah, definitely. I think that you're right. I think it's uh, the new stuff is all fashion and, you know, it's it's uh, it's the market that they're obviously aiming at. Because they do obviously have, Bellstaff have a motorcycle range with the armour, and uh, so they do a lot of the stuff with the armor plates, the elbows, and all this kind of thing. Um, yeah, in fact, they've just released a new new line. I'm not sure if you've seen that based on the Charlie Borman and Hugh McGregor documentary. I don't know if you've heard of that. I've seen mention of it, yes. Yeah, so that should be – the stuff looks terrible, <laughs> but there you go. It might be great, <laughs> but it's um, – yeah. I suppose it's good for motorcycling then and not fashion, so they've made a, a- – clear choice there that if you want to pr- prance around town go for that range if you want to ride a motorbike take another one you mentioned that the game fair you got off ebay in addition to being lacking in wax it was also smelly did you do anything about that um in the first instance just held, held my nose and hoped it'd go away but it didn't go away so what, what we had to do was just kind of again just just look online see see what we can do there are so many bits of information out there around don't do this, definitely do that. And I know recently there was, you posted a discussion on Instagram um, and you spoke about throwing them in the washing machine and you'll see some people recoil in horror. You've, you've done what? And I'm like, no, that's, that's, that's fine. I mean, the, the, I wouldn't recommend it for everyone, certainly not. But the amount of jackets I get in from people who say my other half, my mother-in-law, my this, my that, has accidentally dry cleaned it or put it in the washing machine and we, 
we we always bring that back to life and it's not exactly a big job or any different to any other rewax we may need to put a little bit more but it's not like the, the world ending like some people seem to think it is but i think the, the kind of the trick dare i say that i found definitely works is is the smell seems to emanate from the liner uh, that's where it seems to come from um every jacket we get in anyway we give it a brush down uh, cold damp cloth just to wipe off any stains that are in there but we'll steam the inside steam the liner and we might use a little bit of, of for the extra smelly ones um what would we call it like, almost like a, a touch of a breeze with um, a, a little bit of white vinegar just to kind of okay. that stuff and then air, air that out older and that seems to work fine and, and you do find as well the smell of the new wax does kind of take away some of that stuff as well so you the, 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 if you've ever obviously you have had a barber in front of you the, the first thing people say is or a wax jacket is i either love the smell or i hate the smell <laughs> but there is a smell of a wax jacket and that smell kind of takes over yeah i think in my household we have uh, both opinions yeah i like it my wife hates it <laughs> so uh, yeah there are a lot of uh, a lot of odd um methods mentioned for getting rid of smell though i mean yes i put mine through the washing machine twice now i know some people will have concerns about that uh, i do realize also that one concern is that if there is a lot of wax on it you might destroy or damage your washing machine by sure. all the wax washing off so i'm a little careful and hesitant to recommend it i think having a bucket full of lukewarm water with detergent in it might be a safer and more controllable way. I have become increasingly aware of the ill effects of um, rapid spin-dry cycles on washing machines as well. Right. They can literally tear garments apart. Yeah. <laughs> so worth being very careful there. Sure. Um, I know some people also talk about um, putting them in the freezer, your stinky clothes. Yeah, I've heard that with genes about killing the bacteria or something. Yeah, I think it's an urban legend, really, because you sort of put the bacteria to sleep, but uh, the moment you take them out and warm them up again, they'll be back. And it is the bacteria that make the smell. Uh, there was also mention recently about rubbing alcohol or even spraying vodka. Yeah, I've heard of that. On, uh, it seems the worst. Which would be sort of related to you putting or spraying white vinegar on it, yeah, I suppose. So, yeah. So lots of weird ways, but I think at the end of the day, I've had most luck with water and detergent. Yeah. Sort of go old school on it. <laughs> I think this is, again, though, the beauty of uh, a real hard-wearing wax jacket is don't be afraid to try it. Obviously, don't put bleach on the thing, but you're not actually going to do too much damage. We've spoken about the washing machine. You might kill your whirlpool, but other than that, if you try a little bit of detergent, just a little bit, just to, to wipe that off. If you try a little bit of spirit, you're not going to damage the thing. You know, these things are made to last. They're not, they're not going to disintegrate when you put a little bit of detergent on. So again, that's the beauty of these things. Mm. So at what point do you reckon, is there some way that when can you say that a wax jacket is ready for wax? Um, when you feel water on the shoulders, that's the first thing I get. The amount of customers I get calling and saying, I've, I've just started noticing the, the, the rain seeping through onto my shoulders. So that's one of the things. So, you know, again, uh, you and I have spoken about this in the past about how the jacket looks about some people prefer it to look <laughs> old. You know, they want that to, to, to remain, uh, to, to the scars and everything there. Other people want it as a working jacket. 
Um, just this week, I did a number of jackets for a gentleman who uses them on a farm. And he wants those jackets to work for him. He's not bothered about how they look. He wants them to keep him dry. So they arrived looking worse for wear, dirty, smelly. Stop keeping the rain out. So it's a case of cleaning them, get them rewaxed and get them back to him to serve that purpose. So I think to answer the question of when does it need doing is one, when it stops serving the purpose you bought it for. And then secondly, for, I'd say not for the purists, but for people who, when I refer back to my old friends, still my friends, but my friends who were turning up to football with it and realizing this doesn't look the same color it did when I bought it. That's, that's probably the time because you do, you certainly see it. I see it obviously is when you buy a jacket, the, the color does fade and it can drastically fade. So what you bought as a Navy um, trial master back in the day will turn out to be a light blue one if you don't look after it. Hmm. Mm, good point. And also very valid, uh, the distinction between a uh, working jacket and uh, we could call it a, a prancing jacket. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I I was hurting inside when you had your 1950s bell staff, which looked so good. The patina was excellent, superb vintage model. And then you rewaxed it and it looked sort of like – had looked, but also very new and rewaxed, and it was kind of. <laughs> that was a, yeah, that was the sixties one. I actually the fifties one I kept because um, another mutual contact of ours pounced on that because he likes his jackets. But the I did wax the sixties one because the reason I waxed it again when we talk about the purpose, I decided to keep that one. So I was thinking I will keep this for the bike and I'll use it on the bike again. Going back to saying the quality of the things, I I did wear that on the motorbike, but at the time when I did that, I also then started to think, oh, this is a 1960s trial master that would be better suited to somebody who's going to look after it a little bit better than me. And that's when I started sharing the pictures of it with the, uh, the rewaxing and so on. But yeah, I'm with you. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's quite strange really that there should be such a distinction, but then again, it's almost stranger that you have someone who's using a jacket that they've had for ages, just keep, repairing it, keep waxing it. We'll, we'll get back to sustainability, but that to me is about the most sustainable garment you can have. Mm, yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely. I think it's um, the, the amount of, again, the, the amount of jackets we get from people who pass them down from grandparents to parents to their children. If we really think about it, I mean, when I was a kid, I remember having a wax jacket and thinking, oh God, I don't want to go, I don't want that anywhere near me. Um because that's what you do when you're a kid. You've been given something by your parents and you tend to push back. But has, let's say, a, a barber jacket have ever really gone out of style? I'm not sure it has, to be fair. I think some barbers have sort of been fashion items at times, but I don't think barbers have ever sort of really been fashionable all the time. Mm, do you think? And hence also not been sort of unfashionable either i mean the farmer wearing his barber doesn't give a toss about fashion mm. princess die in her heyday prancing around kensington sort of set fashion i suppose mm. yeah i guess so yeah it's interesting but um what sort of position do wax jackets really have today i mean we've got so many good synthetic variants uh we've come a long way since I mean, wax jackets, but at least 100 years they've been making them now. Does it, does it still have a place? 
It's an interesting one, isn't it? I think, um, again, thinking back to my brother-in-law, actually, he bought, he spent a hell of a lot of money a few years back on a trial master and <clears throat> he likes his clothing and he'll buy new bits and new bits just because he likes to. And that's absolutely fine. Whereas I, on the other hand, I have a jacket for a purpose. It serves that purpose until it's died and then it'll be replaced. But the amount of jackets he's gone through since buying the trial master, but then coming back to that one and saying, do you know what? This is the one that's, that I wear when it rains. This is the one I wear when it's cold with my, my liner in. So I think it's, it does have a place. Um, again, when, when, for me, when I ride a motorbike, I've got kids, I, I live by a field, so I'm getting mucky and all this kind of thing. I don't necessarily want to be wearing a, um, I don't know if I'm going to, if I'm going to pronounce this right, but it's a Moncler, uh, down jacket that I'll be scared to death for the kids ripping and all this kind of thing. The jacket I need to wear and what I want to wear has to be able to kind of live with the demands of what I'm putting it through. Be that be on the bike, be that running to the shop, be that the kids dropping ice cream on it or all this kind of stuff. And I think, again, when we, we think about sustainability and then we think about the kind of pandemic we're living through right now is people are having to think more about clothing that lasts. Or I like, certainly that's the trend I'm seeing. People are wanting the little things that the, the the pocket water sorry the hand warmer pockets stitching up to the smallest little repair doing because they're realizing now that you know what, it probably is a little bit better to take care of what you've got rather than just keep replacing i think that's a valid point uh, i i always think it's really strange when i see almost new barbers say for sale at about half what they paid for them uh, and then you it's back to the people who didn't realize you could re-wax really it's like oh i've worn my barber a couple of years now uh it's looking a bit uh, a bit sad now or i don't feel it's me any longer so i'll just flog it which is contradicts totally the people who just <laughs> keep them until they're totally raggedy yeah like uh, like the one prince charles uh gets taken photos of do you know that that's actually uh, a john partridge that you know I, I know it's so strange that everyone sort of thinks uh, it's a barber. It's like yeah. um, it's like the Che Guevara photo of him uh, on his motorcycle in South America, which it's has become a sort of legend that that was a, a bell staff. Yeah. But apparently, it probably isn't. It might not even be a British jacket at all. Right, uh, because when that photo was taken, Bell Stuff had hardly made it started producing them, so it was very unlikely that he'd actually have got one. Mm. Which doesn't stop them from using it in their promotional material. Oh, but quest- questionable, questionable, yeah, definitely. In the same in the same way that everyone would like to take uh, credit for that raggedy ass uh, jacket that Prince Charles wears. Yeah, I mean the reason I the the reason I know that, and this is quite embarrassing to to a certain degree. Um, Again, I mentioned the two people that are doing the rewaxing that are out there, and I'm sure there's many people, uh, maybe in a dry cleaners in a in a small village somewhere. But being Barbara and Bellstaff being the two kind of main people who, who do what we do, um, I was acutely aware of all the other brands that are out there pr- pr- producing wax goods. So I kind of went to um, John Partridge and I spoke to them. And I kind of referred to the barber jacket that um, Prince Charles was wearing. And they soon corrected me. <laughs> they were good about it. They were, they were saying, everybody makes that that kind of that mistake. Don't worry about it. But again, the one, if we're just going back to those people who wear the, the jacket, they'll buy the jacket, pay £200, £250 for it. 
the wax wears off after one winter, say, because they've worn it, they've walked the dog in it and all this kind of thing. And then they decide to put it on Facebook Marketplace, uh, sell it for £50 and then buy a new one. Again, where, where if you don't know that's going to be... <laughs> Where do you find out that that's you can rewax it? Are you with me? Where, where, where if I go on, where, where's telling me who's telling me that that I can rewax my jacket? Obviously, me. I'm telling you that now. <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> but don't the when you buy a new jacket, new barber, which I admit I've never actually bought a new barber, but I think they come with a sort of little booklet or something that tells you about it, they which probably goes right? in the bin the first, second, or third minute you own it. But uh, yeah, it, I don't know. It's sort of something I've always known that you can rewax them. So, and I've, I've also had a tin of wax sitting on my shelf for probably about ten years before I got up the guts to do it. <laughs> Fantastic! Yeah, I think you do get a care book. I'm just trying to think now um, if I ever bought a new one. <laughs> That's interesting. But actually, what they do a lot, which is brilliant for me, um, every now and then, Barber will put the um, they'll do a kind of promotional run or run a campaign where they show people how to rewax their own jackets. I don't know if you've ever seen any of that stuff. Um, no, I don't think so. So they usually do it through their Instagram or their social media pages. And it's probably the best promotion for my business that's out there, to be honest with you. Because whenever they do that, I get so many people coming to me and saying, can you do this? Of course we can do this. So I'm happy for them to keep doing that as long as they want. Hmm. I will admit that it is a pretty messy, messy job, and uh, quite involved if you're just doing it once. Uh, yeah, I'm, that, that's the thing. We, I get people who say to me, um, "I enjoy doing it." So when I talk to people about what I do, it might be in the middle of the nowhere, and they'll say, ah, I, "I look forward to doing that once a year um, in my barn or wherever." And I actually love, I love doing that. But again, where I'm sat now, I'm sat in my makeshift workshop, which I've had to create for the reason you've just described. When I started doing this, I was doing it on my kitchen table, um, which is great when you get one jacket a week and you can just put the stuff away, wipe down the excess wax or whatever mess you've made, and then just put it all back in a box. But now I'm, you know, we are taking what have we done? We're probably averaging around five, six jackets a day, so we need a a, a, a kind of a, a workshop, which is what we've got to leave all of this. As I look around now, there's my pan of water on the portable stove the the wax pot the sponges all this messy stuff uh, my apron my towels my I'm, I'm literally now on a um what should we call it, a tablecloth that sits over my workbench so i can use this laptop so it is very messy and you do find it's not the easiest to get off as well mm, it can get messy yeah <laughs> um now that you've seen several hundred wax jackets come through your door and hopefully all out your door as well, what would you say the most common problems are with jackets? So the common problems, we so when we talk about repairs in the main, are the kind of wearing to the cuffs. So you may have seen that the kind of, um, it kind of frays. So a lot of the barber jackets and a lot of the bell staffs as well fray at the cuff. Um, where the kind of natural fold of the fabric as well, you'll get um, that will break and that will need a little stitching. So you get a lot of that as well. But going back to the fraying, that's been a really good opportunity for us because we've identified that, uh, let's say, seven out of 10 repairs that come in are for that very reason. So that's why we looked at offering a, a leather capping on that sleeve. So that mm. one tidies it up, uh, makes you gives you a bespoke option and it stops it from ever happening again. 
and it's it, i know they do it on uh, for example the commander the, the barber taquito commander jacket has that finish and there are many others that you see every now and then but for such a common problem and i hope i'm not giving too much away i hope not from from barbers sitting on this call thinking right that's what i'm gonna do <laughs> <laughs> but you'd think that it kind of addressed that by now because that, that really does eradicate a big problem for them right I can see how it happens, and I can see on some of my jackets as well that, uh, yep, frayed. Um, also, typical sort of pocket edges. That's the one, yeah. The hand warmers especially, people putting their hands in the hand warmer pockets, uh, in the chest pockets, and then them just coming loose, uh, either top, bottom, both. But then I must also say, what, what are quite common, and I've no idea how, are massive, massive rips and tears like real rips and tears the kind of thing where you're having to call the customer and say are you okay you've not been fighting a bear or something here have you because this jacket <laughs> is is honestly one i've had in uh yesterday um at least once a week generally you get one where you think this needs an explanation <laughs> obviously we never seek that explanation but yeah really odd really bizarre i can only assume it's due to doing whatever manly things that farmers do when they're climbing around their their animals and tractors and stuff but yeah there's some some frightening sights could, could it be the thorn proof wax that has failed and been torn up by thorns that's the thing maybe it's not what it says on the tin <laughs> i've always wondered about this thorn proof wax and, and just what how what thorns it's sort of proof against it's, it seems very believable yeah that is interesting i'm, I'm really not sure to be fair <laughs> yeah but yeah, I'm just now that I mentioned thornproof wax. Um, you mentioned that uh, there are different types of waxes because in recent years, I think uh, we've got the sort of dry wax finishes, which are becoming very popular. But it's not all a case of getting a pot of barber's wax, is it? No, it's not. It's these it, in the majority that the kind of the, you, again referring back to the um, the staple barber jackets. They are really simple, and that's fantastic that's great again with bell staff they're a much of a muchness um the dry waxing are a lot harder to do um a jacket i did recently actually what which i found a method almost by trial and error again was to re-wax a jacket that we'd repaired that was an old old jacket and and we wanted to keep the, the original character and all this kind of thing and that was really laborious. That was a case of, of dry waxing the jacket with the thinnest amount of wax. And again, we, when, when you apply the wax to a jacket, um, let's say we've got a sand um, jacket that I can see here in front of me. <clears throat> when we get that, that wax down to a clear liquid, and if we apply too much liquid in one place, that will leave a big old dark mark in comparison to the rest. So it's it's... It's almost like, I say this to make me sound much better than I am, but almost like a chocolatier, how you see them playing with the um, the chocolate, <laughs> but you just don't uh, eat the wax. But kind of just making sure that that doesn't, um, that, that it's the right temperature. So it's it doesn't dry too quickly and then leave you with those marks, which, which are problematic later on. Um, and I say problematic simply by the look of the thing. They just look really patchy. So again, applying the right amount um, is, is crucial, really. Yeah, because if the, I mean, it's the amount, there's also the temperature of what you're putting it on, isn't it? Because if the jacket's too cold, the wax just immediately hardens. But if the jacket's too warm, it will flow out a lot better. 
Yeah. So, yeah, definitely some skill there. It's interesting because this time of year, everybody's getting out their coats, their wax jackets out of the cupboard and thinking, oh, I need this re-waxing. And they're sending it in, which is great. But obviously, the temperature's turning for me, uh, for us. So in, in where I am now, it's, it's getting cooler. But through the summer, when it's a lot warmer, everything just behaves nicely. The, the, the material's nice and warm. The wax stays nice and warm. So as the kind of the colder weather comes in, it is a lot harder to deal with. And you end up finding yourself in a, in a workshop that is, it's got two heaters on just to keep it at the right temperature. But um, yeah, you, you, I might have to invest in some, um, some Bermudas maybe and a vest, but that's not a sight for anybody. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now we did touch upon the quality of various brands um, and how most things were better before. Um, probably not, but in some cases, um, since well, as you've had so many come by you now, which brands are good and which brands brands aren't as good? That's 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 really interesting because I, I was thinking this recently, and I don't know if I read this somewhere or uh, or having a conversation with somebody about are you getting a better product if you pay more for it? And that's an interesting question. Um, or are you, does, does marketing does does branding lead you to believe that you're doing that? I'm not sure, but based on what I see coming through. Um, I, I, for example, now I'm looking at a barber that's a lightweight barber that if I'm feeling the quality of, isn't that fantastic? But then behind it, I've got a Beaufort, which is a 2012, which which is absolutely, as you'd expect, stunning. And then one at John Partridge, we mentioned John Partridge, the quality of everything I've had from them is absolutely second to none. Um, and then even some of the the... the I do a few motorcycle brands as well for, for motorcyclists. Um, I had an RST jacket in not that long since that um, the detailing was absolutely fantastic, but a fraction of the cost of a bell staff. But again, it's, I put that one up on Instagram and I got so much feedback. So it's, it's an interesting um, question really. I think, yeah, yeah, a lot of it's to do with taste as well, I guess you know, what you like the look of, but I don't, I, I don't really know the answer to that. Hmm. Interesting, because there are, I mean, we've, we've mentioned Bell stuff, we've mentioned Barber, we've mentioned John Partridge, but there are quite a few other brands, aren't there, that make jackets? Yeah. Uh, Peregrine. That's right. Yeah, I know it's Private White. Um, yeah. Pri- I can't think of the name. I was trying to yeah, Private White, White, White VC. That's yeah. the one. Um and there's another one that I'm not going to even pronounce. I think it's Finistan, is it? It's based up in Scotland. Finistan. Yeah. They, the stuff they're producing looks absolutely fantastic. Um, and I think, as I was thinking, I was making some notes today actually about this kind of thing. There are more and more options coming up and about. But again, you're looking at the price of these things. It's, you know, I have seen some come in where you can pick up a, a, a watch jacket new for 30 pounds there but that certainly isn't the same quality as as what you you know you a standard barber or even i said who did i speak to recently somebody was asking me about buying one and i, I advise them to go online and try and find a, a used barber rather than pay for something that was 30 pound pay 60 pound for a used barber and you're going to get far more for your money than you are for a, a 30 pound new one i have seen uh i think it's on ebay adverts for jackets that claim to be british made quality wax cotton 
in various styles that actually look quite plausible, but the price has been sort of what you're saying, 30, 40, 50 pounds, which now I know that it costs, the cost price of making a wax jacket in the UK is about 100. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, that is, that does offer up a few questions. Well, so certainly someone isn't getting paid. That's right. I think they're only 40 pounds. So, um, yeah. What would your personal favourite be? Personal favourite jacket? Yeah. Um, mine is the Lutz, the Barber Lutz, which is kind of a take on the Taquito Commander made famous in the Skyfall um, film, which which I've never seen, I dare confess. Uh, I've never seen Skyfall. I'm not a James Bond fan, I'm afraid. But neither am I. But that is the, <laughs> that is the best film. Is it really? <laughs> it's, it's got. I mean, the scenery and and stuff in that is really good. And the well, I mean, a lot of people make such a big deal about the jacket, but you sort of notice the jacket looks pretty yeah. cool. But it's not doesn't make the film. Yeah. But the scenery there, the Skyfall estate and all that is is really worth seeing. I, I normally very very. Uninterested in James Bond. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I don't, real get, I don't get the whole thing. No. But, um, that is the one I'd see, definitely. Right. Well, on your. Uh, sorry, I interrupted you. You were on the flow there. No, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> I think, uh, again, somebody else asked me this on Instagram last week about if you, they actually said gun to your head, you had to choose one barber jacket, what would it be? Well, I've actually. Well, I hope that never happens for a start, but uh, I've actually made that choice because I've only got the one, the one barber you'd think with. I've currently got in front of me what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine jackets, um, of which seven of them are barber. Yeah, I only own the one. Um, I don't need any more than one. That serves me perfectly fine. So I know these people who um, I speak to a lot on Instagram in these kind of wax jacket circles who collect them for fun. And there might be a poll at the fact I only own the one, but it serves a purpose for me and that'll do me fine. And which one was it you have? The, uh, the Lutz, which which oddly. Oh, the L-U-T set. That's right, yeah. Yeah, they've just started pushing that again now, their, their latest promotion campaign. They have so many models now, I can't uh, I can't sort of keep track of them all. I think last time I looked on their website, they had 75 different styles for men. It really is. I mean, it's a business. They've got to make money and they want to produce new products to get that. But again, just before we came on this um, to speak, I had um, somebody message me to give them detailing of a jacket I posted this week, um, a Barber International. I don't know the name of the model, um, but again, I get so many requests. Do you know, sending me pictures, do you know the name of this? Do you know, this, again, there's that many. It's, I've got one here, a Black Streak, um, a Barber International Black Streak. It's the first of which I've seen, but I've seen um, a lot of the casual clothing. The customer who brought it into me today he said he, he paid £680 for this jacket. And that's oh, wow. I'm like thinking, all right, so what? Does it come with a car? Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's um, there are so many out there, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm sure some people have got their own opinion. Well, I think from a business perspective, the farmer who wants his forty uh, year old border rewaxed every autumn isn't going to uh, to fill the coffers at Barber. So they probably have to keep pushing out new models yeah. to keep money flowing in. The odd thing is that there's very little, well, to my eyes, there's very little new stuff. I mean, they are pretty much what you'd expect. Yeah, no, I agree. I think this week they've just announced a, a collab with Noah, I believe. 
which seems to be aimed at, um, from what I can gather, certainly a younger market. Um, some of the classic styles of the jackets have been produced uh, in a really, really bright yellow, for example. I'm pretty certain they had the brand Nowhere on the back in rather large. I do they do. Not for me. And that's yeah. absolutely fine. They also, they also just did the Supreme, ah, one, right. which I suppose brings it out to the to the streetwear people. Yeah, and I'm still kind yeah. of. Yeah, how do you feel about that? Where do you where do you get on board with with that kind of stuff? Well, I, I mean, for me, a collaboration has to be more than the sum of the two contributors. So both of them have to put something into it, and it has to become something better than they'd made on their own. Yeah. And I'm not really, I couldn't really tell what Supreme had added there. It just looked like another of the seventy five variants in Barber you can get. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I have to think about, I don't know if it's for my own sanity, rather than I kind of take umbrage or kind of think, oh, well, that's not very good. I kind of think, is that actually made for me? <laughs> Are you with me? So I kind of think, yeah. it's probably not aimed at me. So the people who it's aimed at may love that thing. You know, I know people who who have snapped that up and then they sell it on it some silly money. I, I don't know anything about Supreme. I've seen the badge and all that kind of thing. And maybe that's my yeah. ignorance, but I do see, see them popping up here and there. and the fact that I don't know about them probably tells me that I don't need to know. <laughs> well, I can, I can just see the headline now. Man in Norway in his 50s criticises street, <laughs> hip streetwear brand. <laughs> totally misses the point. Well, yeah, so, uh, it's interesting. When we speak about um, kind of – I mentioned my background being in user-centered design. and I, uh, So when I looked at setting this business up, I was looking at different user groups that I felt uh, would use my service. And – when you think of wax jackets, we've, men- we've mentioned the farmer um, quite often, and the farmer is probably the the, the the bottom of of my customer list. So again, I was thinking equestrian. My my mum used to have horses, so I was kind of brought up in and around horses, which probably uh, which did nothing for my fear of horses. But yeah, that's a different story. Um, and I kind of thought, oh yeah, that's where the, all of the market is in the main, and I might get a little bit elsewhere. But in fact, it's actually come in the majority from the high street, from those people going in and buying these jackets. I am doing more and more now for for collectors, but the majority of my customers are people who buy that as a fashion item, which I found really interesting. I, I think it's interesting that it's actually a viable business. Uh, and that fills me with hope really for people taking care of their stuff and sort of the future of clothes, because it would be so easy to just throw away a barber every year, yeah. throw away a belt stuff, whatever. I mean, people happily spend two, 300, 400 pounds uh, a year for their winter autumn jacket. Uh, probably many, even more, um, but the fact that they are taking care of them is, is brilliant. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's brilliant for me as well. I, when I set this up, I was thinking this is going to be a, a cool little hobby. Again, my, my background being in digital, um, the digital world is there's a lot of online, all this kind of thing, and you don't really see an end product, and you certainly do, don't do anything with your hands. So doing this for me was almost a release from that world as much as anything. So it was almost therapeutic to grab a sponge and some wax and – not be able to touch anything because you're covered in wax. If your phone buzzes, you're not going to be able to touch it. You can't answer it. So it's kind of disconnecting from that world. And what became a little bit of a hobby where I started doing this and and then a few friends. And then what I then did, I thought, 
actually there's more people here who a don't don't know this is a service they, they don't know you can do this uh, and b i quite enjoyed it really did enjoy it so that's when I started kind of really putting my neck on the line by just approaching people walking around my um my where I'm from in Leeds and just seeing people in a barber and giving them a flyer hi did you know you can rewax that um and quite often they say no I had no idea well here's my flyer drop me a message and they actually got in touch which was strange um I don't know if it's to do with I'm, I'm no salesman but I don't know if it's the fact that you said to the to them you could pay 250 for a new one or you pay 55 pound for that looking brand new and maybe that speaks to people I'm not sure could well be. I actually approached someone in a barber a while ago, um, locally, because I noticed he was wearing one of the Skyfall ones. Oh, really? <laughs> so I was sort of slightly interested to hear whether you might be interested in selling it. Ah. Maybe he didn't know that it was actually quite valuable. But uh, he wasn't interested in selling it, so <laughs> there you go. Oh, and on them things are crazy. Have you tried one? I have not tried one, but... Um, now, the original Skyfall jacket was part of the Tokito um, collection with the Japanese designer, Tokito. Uh, who he made some excellent jackets with Barber. Mm, yeah. And I've got a couple of them. Oh, nice. Um, not that one, though. But um, that was really the second to last Barbers that really interested me. Uh, the last ones were the ones uh, done with Patrick Grant's Norton and Son. They made some really special ones and quite unusual for Barber. I mean, Barber really made them nicely, but they were clearly not Barber designs, really. Right. So Norton actually really contributed. The strange thing about them was that the, the one I have is made in some super thick canvas, and it's been waxed with something. Now, I seem to remember that they called it soy wax because it has a really distinctive smell, and it still has that at least four years after I bought it. Wow. It's, thankfully, it has abated a bit, but it was really something special, and that really needs waxing. But I've asked Barbara, and they don't can't recall anything about it now. Really? When I bought it in the factory shop in South Shields, oh yeah, um, the guy behind the counter started telling me about how they'd had to invest in some extra strong sewing machines to be able to sew it. <laughs> wow, which was interesting. Uh, but they were really, really nice. Ah, oh, great. I have to look them up, definitely. Um, to sort of start winding down, you've had some real horror shows of jackets come in for repairs. By following your Instagram, you, you sort of get an idea of what you're what you're up against now and again. What has been the most difficult job you've received? Oh, in fact, you could you could have a question B there as what has been the most awful job. <laughs> <laughs> We've had, ooh, we've had um, two that I remember that come to mind. Um, one that we had to literally patch together from a number of, of bits of material and, and um, other jackets that ended up looking absolutely fantastic. It ended up being a um, almost like a patchwork jacket. And then two weeks later, the Alexa Chung range was released by Barber um, and it looked very similar. Obviously, they're not seen ours and taking any inspiration whatsoever. But what I'm saying is, it's it was of that feel, and it did get us thinking. Ooh, is there something there for us to be? So it's, it's kind of still on our backlog to think about sourcing um, a number of older jackets and then recreating one jacket from two or three. 
Um, is there a market there for that? We've, we've just not had the time to kind of do that just yet. Um, but yeah, I think um, we've kind of got a really good approach of, of the worse they are, the better they are for us because it means we can make more of a difference. And I, my, my repair team, um, yeah, which which she just seconds and none, um, every challenge it's it's right okay then let's let's go and i mean i'm looking right now we're just about to launch well i said launch share a new thing we've started doing which is actually adding pockets to jackets so we had a request for a, a motorcycle rider who has uh, an a7 international and they wanted two additional um, pockets to the rear of the jacket um so we set about doing that and thinking how oh, this could go pretty wrong because you you know you're really altering the um the jacket significantly but it's turned out just absolutely fantastic. So it's, yeah, I, I, again, I, I can't really say that we've had any true, we've had nothing we've not been able to do, put it that way. No, I have been very impressed by um, by some of the really bad ones you've had. Because um, it, it almost looks like you can take a jacket almost sort of pretty fully apart and then reassemble it again. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't even begin to pretend that I know the ins and outs of the actual repairs themselves. Um, we work together, I kind of um, direct in the best way, but the expertise that we've got in there, she will always tell me, um, yeah, it, her, her experience speaks, just speaks volumes, certainly in the work she's doing. So I kind of just say, yeah, you, you, you tell me, <laughs> you tell me the best way to do this. And again, we had the, the work we were producing at the start of the year, um, mainly with the new bell staffs that we were getting a hell of a lot of rips, certainly under the arm. The work we were putting out, bell staff got in touch and were impressed how we did it. And they were asking us, how how, how have you fixed that? So f- for the people who make the jackets come to us and ask us that, that I think that's quite a positive. That is actually pretty scary. Yeah, <laughs> but they have so little clue about what they're making that, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. But- but Bell Stuff and Barber do still offer their rewaxing services, do they? They do, and where where we are um, certainly with Bell Stuff, they offer it for free, and we will always wow. tell our customers if they ask that question. We don't hide that fact, and same with Barber, um, they offer it. Um, I'd say Barber for a rewax are probably around seven pounds cheaper than us per jacket. Um, again, there's no there's no hiding that fact, but the difference is for us that we like to or we hope and we see and we feel that people are buying into us as a small business, as a family business and into our story. Um, but also the fact that we turn our jackets around um, in certainly more, no more than 10 days, but usually far less than seven um, in comparison to, to Bellstaff and Barber as, as the two main kind of competitors, you, you're talking 10 weeks plus. Um, that's, that's a whole season at times, you know? So you, you've got to do some real planning ahead to get that back in time for when you want to wear it. Whereas, whereas us, you, again, this is all part of the research I did before doing this. I was trying to get in touch with somebody at bar, but who's going to look after my jacket? Well, it's going to go to a factory. Here's your ticket and you wear, who do I contact? Well, here's a customer care email. You'll get the same response to whatever your, your query is. Whereas us, you, you make that order online with us through our online form. You pick up that phone, you send us a message. You're speaking to me. I'm the guy who looks after your jackets and the guy who's going to rewax your jacket. So you're telling me what you need to do. And then in a day's time, 
when you've posted it, I will call you and say, your jacket's landed or I'll send you a message. Your pride and joy, 1970s bell staff has landed. Please rest at ease. <laughs> you know, all this kind of thing. So you're dealing with people. And I think people like that. I know I do. I think it's something that is sorely missing in much of the online world today, uh, where computer systems are designed to <laughs> lure you in, uh, entice you to buy, uh, send you uh, plenty of updates, uh, automatically generated. Uh, and you, at the end of the day, you receive something that looks like it's packed by a robot and probably was. Um so a bit of that old-fashioned customer service and attention to detail is appreciated. That is the key. I think that is something that when I started, as I think back now, I think crazy. When I started this, I had a 18-month-year-old, 18-month-year-old, 18-month-old baby, um, little boy who brings his own kind of stresses. Um, I was already working full-time. So I started this as a, as a paid hobby, but then, I didn't have a website actually when I started for the first six months and this grew I didn't have a website at all just a just an Instagram page but I then looked at that customer service thing we talk about and certainly around me and we see more online there are more and more small boutiques and new brands turning up and independent retailers who one um, know their products really well they offer a great range of products. And I, I think of two straight away in my local town is this, this Frank bird in um, Wakefield. And then you've got, um, you may be aware of, of Faz up at the archives in Leeds, who's doing some fantastic stuff. And also they, they, they need people to be going into their stores. I know now where things are a lot different, but back when I started, people wanted that customer service and they're only going to get it in those places from people who knew what they were talking about rather than your, uh, department stores so i kind of went to them and said guys i've got the same um customer base that you've got this is a service i offer um can i use your your shop as a drop-off point for your customers that way i get custom and you get people coming through your door and you're able to offer your customers an extra service so it works for everybody um and then i started spending a few nights a week actually driving right around yorkshire hand collecting and hand delivering these jackets uh, with a handshake you know that i'm the person who's going to be taking it and i'm the person who's going to do all this stuff and obviously as we grew and grew and grew i just couldn't do that anymore um which is great for us but i've luckily been able to keep that same customer service ethos that we built in the first place that you know you are dealing with humans uh you are human yourself so we're going to treat you like that we're not going to give you a ticket and then disappear with your jacket and you not be in touch so it's uh yeah, that is a massive thing for us. That really underlies everything we do, pr- providing that customer service uh, and you know being available, being available for somebody should they need to ask you that question. That's incredible that, <laughs> that you managed to actually drive around doing all this and had time to wax people's jackets and um, take care of your, your little boy. Crazy. Um, I, I, I did wonder, because I have seen photos of your little lad, and I did wonder what the, the Malin and son, what the actual son contributed to the company. Oh, the lack of sleep and the, the bags under the eyes he contributes to. But, um, yeah, he's he's now actually just started nursery, which gives me um, some good hours in the afternoon to really make a difference, which is great. But, uh, yeah, I think, like anything, um, if you're willing to work hard and, and do something you enjoy and believe in, then it's probably worth it to be fair but yeah hmm. that sounds like a sort of work ethos that is um sadly lost on a lot of um, people today where 
they'd rather become an influencer or a TikTok star or oh, wow. something like that. Yeah, we we, we saw something like that yesterday. We were watching. We, we very rarely watch TV these days, and we saw um, some hotel program where an influencer was coming to stay, and I was kind of questioning an influ- influencing what in what way. You know, it's it's just frightening but anyway that's a that's a whole different conversation <laughs> yeah i don't think we'll get into that now okay ryan this was really good oh just one final question if you're going to recommend someone who who'd like to try out wax jackets but hasn't sort of take, made the move yet what would you what advice would you give them what is there a specific model that would be a good starter model um Oh, first question would be, what do you want to use it for? If it's an everyday kind of way, if it's for work, um, is it for, for when I say work, is it for farming? Is it for horse riding? Blah, blah, blah. If it's an all rounder that you want, I would always, always, always recommend a Beaufort. Barber Beaufort. I think they're a, a fantastic jacket with so many options. You can uh, dress them up, dress them down. You can work them, you can do whatever you want with them, and you can clean them, rewax them, and make them look fantastic. And they're probably plentiful on the second-hand market. I picked one up this week for £30, um, which was phew, immaculate. And now I've rewaxed it, and it's a step away from having a tag on and being brand new. So there you go. Oh, you can't beat that. Okay, Ryan, thanks a lot. This was great. And uh, best of luck with your endeavours. And uh, I'll catch up with you later at some point. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Nick. Thanks and bye. Bye. And that was all for this week's episode, a new episode next week. If you'd uh, like to investigate further, uh, my blog is at welldresseddad.com, Instagram at welldresseddad. Um, you've been listening to Gomology. Please uh, leave a rating and a review if you like. I'd really appreciate it. And if you'd like to get in touch, the email address is welldressedad at gmail.com. Thanks a lot and catch you next week. <laughs>